Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. It's Matt Frazier here for episode 9 of the No Meat Athlete Radio podcast. I'm here with my co-host Doug Hay from RockCreekRunner.com. Doug, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Matt. How are you? I'm good. A little bit tired, um, a little bit stressed out with this with this book stuff, which I thought was done. and uh, It was done. The writing was done, but there's a lot of editing and a lot of stuff that I'm learning goes into writing a real book as opposed to uh, the self-published type. So... Um, <laughs> A little bit stressed out, and we're also moving this week, which is uh, just another thing oh, wow. to deal with. Yeah, you're staying in Asheville, though, right? <laughs> just yep, moving up the street, not even uh, not even a half mile away, I don't think. So uh, yeah, we're in Asheville for a long time. I'm, we love it here. Great. So anyway, um, Doug, you and I just saw each other this past weekend. Maybe a little too much of each other. We were uh, together for <laughs> for a good 48 hours straight, uh, or yeah, more, perhaps. Yeah. For the New York City Vegetarian Food Festival, where uh, I was a speaker and No Meat Athlete was an exhibitor. We were there selling shirts and uh, just talking to people and um, had a good time. It was really fun. We met a lot of great people, as you always do at those things. We saw, um, let's see, Gene Bauer. We talked to him a little bit. We talked to Chrissy Morgan from uh, Blissful Chef. Uh-huh. And uh, who else did we see there? Oh, Gene, the guy who wrote... Forks Over Knives and wrote many, many other books and bought like 10 of our shirts for different people. That was cool. Yep, that was cool. Yep. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I'm sure I'm, oh yeah, um, Mike Arnstein's wife, Victoria, came and bought some shirts from us, which, right. was, which was fun. And she actually won the uh, Vermont 100K. I didn't realize that. I knew he had won the 100 mile there, but right. she had so he, He's the fruitarian for those who don't know. Oh yes, he's the fruitarian. Yeah, and they had their kids there, or she had her kids there. I assume they were her kids. And, uh, they were little fruitarians, and it was just, uh, you know, cool to meet them. He, to me, he seems like a, I don't know, I just always assumed like fruitarian and like winning ultra marathons. He, it just seemed like someone from a different planet, like some crazy <laughs> guy. And she was totally normal. Like, you know, you'd see her in Starbucks. Well, probably not in Starbucks, but you'd see her somewhere and just think she was normal. Yeah. Regular person, not not a uh, not an ultra marathon winning fruitarian. That's right. And they but, picked up some shirts too, which was kind of cool. They did. That was very cool. So, um, yeah, really a good time. Those things are always fun. They always just really energize me and get me amped up about just the whole vegan – not not necessarily no meat athlete or, or anything to do with that, but just, just being vegan and uh, being a runner and just being involved in that community. It's fun. I mean it's just it's just always a good time. So that was good. Uh, we actually intended to record our podcast there, and that's kind of a story in itself that we recorded this podcast last week, at the very beginning of last week. And I uh, had to scrap it because my mic was giving us some problems. And I think it's probably not going to this time. But um, anyway, it almost seems like this episode is uh, not meant to happen. So hopefully lightning won't strike anybody or anything today. Yeah, we seem to have that problem fixed. And uh, <laughs> hopefully we can get through this hour unscathed. Yeah, let's hope. So anyway, uh, we do have a good episode, and, and I feel bad that, that this has taken like three weeks to get going because we interviewed Brian Powell from irunfar.com, which is a great site about ultra running and trail running, uh, and really great interview. We talked to him, I think it was probably maybe two weeks ago now, and 
he had tons and tons of stuff to share. So we'll play that for you in a little while. But the real the focus of the interview and of the show is on ultra running. But it's not just ultra running. We wanted it to be not like I don't. We didn't want it to be like the intimidating ultra running for these super ultra running geeks who already know all about it. Uh, we wanted it to be how do you how do you do an ultra marathon? How do you get into that if if all that you know so far is road racing and half marathons and marathons and just haven't really uh, taken that next step but are are really curious about you know this whole different side of of running as a sport. So uh, it'll be a good episode, and uh, Doug and I each have experience. We are still relative ultramarathon beginners, I would say. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so there will be a lot to share, and uh, and like I said, it'll be a good interview to get to. Yeah, so well, I guess before we uh, jump into the interview with Brian, um, do you just want to say a little bit about your experience with ultras, where you know where you got into it, how you kind of came about having sure. to, to run an ultramarathon? Yeah, that's that'd be good. Um I did it after I qualified for Boston, which was back in 2009. Uh, I had worked so hard for that for so many years, and that was really my singular focus. I would not allow myself to think about any other running goals or anything like that because qualifying for Boston was all that I wanted to do. And uh, as soon as I finished that, I pretty much right then set the goal of running a 50-miler. I really wanted to get into that. But first I had to get into trail running, and that was the thing that I had – you know, always had made ultra running seem so impossible was I thought, wow, first I have to actually go learn how to run trails. And that was really was more intimidating to me than than having to run 50 miles just because it seemed like such a big deal to get into. Right. Uh, so I did that. I mean, started trail running, found a great group of people and ran some 50Ks, which weren't really that different from uh, from marathons once you had the trail running thing down. And then from there, it was just a matter of, of committing and saying, I'm going to run a 50 and I'm going to do the, the training that goes into it, which really isn't that much more training than, than goes into a 50K. I mean, yeah, you have to get up to the 50K distance or so in your training, right? but you, it's not like you're going out there and running 40 or 45 miles, as you know, in, in your training. So it's kind of a, of just sort of taking the, the jump and the leap and being willing to, to say, I'm going to go out there and run 50 miles and whether I fail or have to walk or what, I'm going to attempt it. So um, that that's kind of my story. Oh, and then I've done... So I've since done the North Face Endurance Challenge 50, which Doug, you have also done, and Vermont 50 was my last 50-miler. Great. So, yeah. So now let's tell people about your experience, you know, sure. ending with the most recent one where uh, where we saw each other recently again. Yeah. So um, so I actually got inspired to run my first ultramarathon after reading uh, a post. It was recently after... Um, I believe my second marathon, and I had just read one of your posts on Nomad Athlete uh, entitled, I don't know, something about how you can run an ultra marathon, even you can run an ultra marathon, and uh, and I read it and I was like, man, I can run an ultra marathon. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so um, so sure enough, I I looked around, found some 50ks in the area, and signed up for them, and you know, just like you, the hardest part for me. You know, I, I was in shape. I had just run a marathon, but the hardest part was definitely uh, learning how to run trails. So that was kind of uh, an adventure at first, but it ended up totally changing how I run now and where I run. And, um, you know, it's kind of totally shaped me as a runner now. Um, but that first 50K went well, and I've since run another 50K and a couple 50s. Or, no, I'm sorry, 150, the uh, North Face Endurance 50. And, mm-hmm. um, and then most recently, uh, the 40 mile 
Mount Mitchell Challenge down in North Carolina, outside Asheville, which uh, was just a couple weeks ago, and you happened to show up and, and cheer me on, which is pretty cool. That's right. I randomly showed up, and <laughs> and you happened to be running. Yeah, I happened to be there. That's right. No, so that was, it was great to have you there cheering me on, and and it was an adventure. They actually shortened the course due to some bad weather um, at the top of the mountain, and um, so it ended up only being 37 miles, but it was still a great day out in the mountains, and uh, and you, we're going to talk about this with Brian. That's one of the questions that we asked during the, the interview, so um, as you'll notice, that was recorded before. The interview was recorded before the run, but it's still relevant, I think, to listeners. So, Yeah, and we should mention, Doug, so that you get the full credit here, uh, that Mount Mitchell is the highest peak east of the Mississippi River in the United States, which not too many <laughs> people know. Yeah. It just sounds like a, a little hill, but it's uh, it's nothing like, you know, nothing like out west, but it's, but still, I mean, Vermont, I thought, I thought Vermont was crazy hills, and, and it's uh, it's much higher than that. It is. It's a, it's a beast of a mountain. So yeah. someone like me who who comes from the DC flatlands, you know, it was, it was it was tough, but it was fun. And you know, and and like you mentioned before, both of us are are pretty new to, to ultra marathons, relatively new, um, and especially mountain running. So it was good. It was an adventure, and it's inspiring me to get out, spread the word about ultra marathons, and hopefully some people listening here will be inspired to go out and try it. Yeah, and and it's funny that you mentioned inspiration and being inspired because. Not only was my three-year-old son inspired, he uh, <laughs> he became an instant Doug fan. Doug was kind of his superhero for the week. He's like into superheroes, and Doug was basically his superhero for the week. Uh, he was asking about Doug, why, why Doug ran and got muddy, and could we go watch Doug do his race again that night, <laughs> and uh, all kinds of stuff like that. So that was fun, but it inspired me too because I, uh, you know, it just it just I I miss ultra running. I haven't done it in. Almost two years since I've run uh, my last 50k, and I guess I guess close to yeah, I don't know, maybe two and a half since my last 50 miler. I don't know, it's been a while. Um, but I had had uh, as I wrote about before a little bit a few weeks before your race that I had had plans to run my first hundred miler in uh, in Cleveland in uh, in July, and I had actually started the training program, and so that was all good. But I hadn't yet signed up for that, and I hadn't signed up for my big run before that because as part of 100 miler training you you really need to get in at least one 50 mile run or 100k run and i hadn't signed up but i had one in mind so after i uh saw you running we went home we uh we put on a running movie we put on unbreakable the, the western states 100 movie yeah. and uh, then i signed up for my big pre-run and that's a, a 12 hour race in black mountain so that will be interesting because it's it's for time and not distance no, I'm sorry. It's well, I guess it's four distance. I don't know which right. one you would. Call no, no it, set but, distance. <laughs> right. You you run around a 5k loop a lot of times, and uh, you you see how far you can get. So, it's so, it's so. What what do you think? How far do you think you can go in in 12 hours? Well, it's a flat course, and it's uh it's kind of a mix of some gravel road and some easy sort of non technical trail and some grass. So it seems like a very very friendly course. Uh, besides the fact that it's you know, 12 or whatever, 25 loops around a, a three mile circle. Um, but I don't know. I it, like I, my, my 50 milers took me about 10 hours and they were much hillier than that. So I think, uh, if I could, if I could be at the 10 hour or the 50 mile mark by nine hours or maybe nine 30, then, then I would, you know, in, in two more hours, hopefully I could get up to 200 K or no two, eight, two, 100 K 
or even slightly higher. So, you know, maybe 65. I honestly don't know. Don't know how the day's going to go. But uh, it'll be, I think it'll be fun to run a different type of race like that. Yeah, definitely. That'll yeah. be really interesting. Can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. Cool. So, well, should we go ahead and jump into the uh, into the interview? We should, but I want to mention one more fun trivia fact for everybody. And oh, that okay. is that, uh, that you, Doug, are in the middle of a running streak. 400-some days is your goal. That's right. And uh, Doug actually ran... The day after his his ultra marathon, <laughs> which I thought was astounding, and uh, you know cause it was more of a wobble really than a run, but <laughs> right. Yeah, so. so I'm I'm somewhere around like 280 days and going for 416, uh, which will be my wedding day, and then after that, I'm gonna take a little honeymoon break. Cute, very very cute, <laughs> sweet and cute. Yeah, so you've been running 280 days now. Something I mean that's that's crazy. Mine, I think my streak got up to. 75 or so and and at that point it really felt like you know this is it didn't feel strange to be running every day at that point it was just like that was what i did so i can't imagine what 280 i mean it just must be such a huge part it just must be a part of your life like like brushing your teeth or yeah it is it's you know it's not it's not something i think about anymore you know it's not this like oh i've got to plan schedule my run it's just you know it's just i fit it in every day and most of the time that's in the morning um but, you know, lots of times that's in the evening. So it, it's become such a natural part of my daily uh, routine and my habit that um, it really isn't isn't as big of a deal. It was, of course, a big deal after, like, immediately following the first few days after the race when my blisters were bad and my ankles were killing me. But, um, you know, for the most part, it's been easy peasy. So. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Yeah, and you did it while we were in New York, which was good, too, after we were out a little bit late. Night before, and I was <laughs> yep. I was impressed that you did that. So, yeah. good work. Thanks. All right, so uh, let's go to the Brian Powell interview. Doug, do you want to give Brian a little intro here, since you are uh, the big I Run Far fan? Yeah. So um, I'm a huge Brian Powell fan uh, and fan of his website IRunFar.com, which is the kind of go-to for ultra marathon news. Um, News on ultramarathon races, runners. Uh, it has tons of interviews with the elite runners and your mid-packers. It uh, goes into tips and all kinds of. It's a really great place, resource for anyone who's into ultramarathons uh, and community of, of ultramarathoners. Um, but Brian has also uh, written a book called Relentless Forward, Forward Progress, um, which is definitely um, kind of a how-to for first-time ultramarathoners and ultramarathoners who are taking on a new distance. So it, it has training plans from 50Ks to 100 milers um, and kind of adjusts itself to every level of of, um, of runner. It's a really great resource, and we're going to dive into that a bit more with him during the interview, um, so I'll stop there. But, but we're really excited to have Brian on today and um, really glad that he was willing to talk to us. All right, let's roll it. All right, so here we are with Brian Powell, who is author of the uh, book Relentless Forward Progress, all about ultra running, and happens to uh, include the training program that I'm using for my 100-miler. Hopefully, it will be my first 100-miler. Um, and also author of the site irunfar.com, or I should say he runs the site irunfar.com. Brian, thank you very much for being here with us today. Oh, my pleasure, guys. So what we want to talk about today is um, kind of ultra running for people who haven't yet done an ultra um 
probably someone who has maybe done a half marathon, maybe a marathon, and kind of want to, wants to make that leap to the next level. Um, but, you know, might be intimidated, might not really know where to start. So, um, you know, let's just jump into it. The, the first question would be what, like, how should somebody who, who's thinking about running an ultra, where should they get started? Say someone's run maybe a half marathon. You know, where do they begin um, just in the whole process of running an ultra? I mean, I would, the first pro- part in the process would be to do a real honest self-assessment of what, what length of long run you're comfortable with. Um, because that really will speak to how quickly you could probably happily progress to an ultra marathon. I mean, anybody, you know, if you've done a half marathon, even chances are you could find a way to slog through a, through an ultra marathon and not too long, but, um, really to, to know where you're, where you're at in your training so you can reasonably progress upward with your long runs. And because okay, so that, that actually brings up, um, something interesting. I've heard Scott Jurek say before that he thinks pretty much anyone can do an ultra marathon. You know, kind of regardless of uh, of body type or, or current physical condition. What do you think about that? That's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, if if you have reasonable health, I mean, somebody who's getting older, meaning maybe in their mid sixties, they might be able to run an ultra. Maybe maybe they might be past that window, but um, the vast majority of uh, of adults, given enough time, could could complete an ultra. It's it's not it's it's an achievable goal. Cool. So, so Brian. Back to kind of people who are, have uh, maybe run a half marathon or a marathon in the past. Um, you know, a lot of marathon training plans still have a lot of, of um, like speed work and that kind of thing integrated into the training plan. Do you do you see any major differences between uh, training plans for fifty k's and fifty milers um, than a marathon training plan? Yeah, I mean that, that is that. Uh especially with a half marathon plan, let's say the the emphasis in an ultra training plan would definitely change to focus on the long run. Um, there's nothing wrong with including speed work and training for an ultra. Uh, some of the top people do it. Um, and lots of, uh, regular ultra runners do it. Um, but the real focus is on the long stuff. So if that means cutting back, uh, your tempo run or a, a, a midweek hill workout, um, you make that choice. You make that decision to, so that you're feeling good, on your your long run on Saturday or Sunday, or you can uh, recover from that properly, so that in the next weekend or two weekends later you can be out there uh, healthy uh, right. and happy to do another long run, not burning out. Sure. So I had a friend once told me that um, this is when I was first kind of thinking about doing a fifty miler uh, back back in two thousand nine, I think. And uh, you know, I said, "What's what's the big difference between a, a marathon training program and that?" And what he said was that he would really just kind of do do a marathon training program, but increase the distance of the long run on weekends. I would agree with that. That's pretty. I mean, yeah. to do it to do it simply, yeah, that's the that'd be the most simple way to do it. I mean, and not by a huge amount. You don't need to be running thirty miles every weekend to run an ultra marathon. That's right. That's not. Um, but yeah, if you if you have a especially if you say you've run a marathon before and you've used a plan, um, you could very simply just add a a couple miles on your long runs on a, on a regular basis and, and get you ready for 50 K. Um, sure. or you could go through a marathon training plan, run your marathon at 90% effort. Don't race it, but just go run it. And then a month later, go run a, go run your 50 K. Right. And do you think it's important to get up to that marathon distance in a 50 K program? I mean, let's say someone's done a marathon before, 
Um, and then they've kind of started over to kind of learn how to run on trails. So they've started the mileage back up at, you know, five or 10 miles and for the long run and, and gradually increasing. How high do you think they should get? And then also, how, how high should they get for a 50 miler? Because a lot of people, I think, are going to be surprised by that answer. Yeah, I mean, I think on the, if they've done a marathon before and they're doing it, trying to do a 50K, getting up to a 22 or 24 mile long run would be fine. You don't have to do a marathon mm. in preparation for that. Um, for a 50 miler, just for the confidence, it's nice to get a, a 50K in uh, beforehand. You don't need to. I did one last October, um, having not run longer than tw- – I did 20, 120 miler, and that was in February, and I did my 50 miler in October. So uh, <laughs> you can get away with it. But I also have experience, which, sure. which means a lot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, um, you could get away with doing a 50 miler um, on a, maybe two marathon distance runs. But – I'd say jump in at 50K, especially if it's your first 50-miler, 50, 50 just to get that confidence boost, get your fueling down. Because there's really a big leap in fueling between marathon and 50K and then going up to a 50-miler. To a marathon, you can get by with two or three gels um, if you're well-trained or even less. Um, maybe you have a couple extra for 50K. You have to be eating the whole way through a 50-miler uh, if, if you want to enjoy it. Yeah, so yeah. Like- so that kind of brings us into fueling. Uh, you know, what kind of fueling advice do you have for people who have maybe never run a fifty miler before? You know, what kind of uh, food are they are they taking in that they wouldn't take in normally during a marathon? I mean, the first thing I would say is eat early and often. Um, and it, it, eating includes calories from beverages if you if you like that. If you like to drink a sports drink and say a, a water bottle or your your hydration pack. Um, but, uh, you know, if you can get in two, 300 calories an hour, that would be a, a great goal. Um, whereas in a marathon, you maybe you do one job every 45 minutes, and that's a, about 100 calories. So um, up that fueling and do it from the start. I mean, yeah. if, you're, if, you're, if your fueling plan is to have a gel every half hour, have one 30 minutes in, you're going to be feeling great. But you need to start loading that, uh, that sequence. Right. Uh, yeah. and do, you, do you think the food – I mean, for you, Brian, specifically, and then, and then I guess for, for other people – do you think is it a is it a general rule that people tend to prefer or or maybe do better with less sugar, um, at least as a, as a percentage of total calories than in a marathon or half? I mean, in my experience, I know when I've been whatever forty miles into a fifty, um, uh, you know I'm not really interested in in sugary stuff at all. I kind of want saltier stuff, um, starchier foods, potato chips, all that kind of stuff. Is that is there anything to that, or is that just sort of individual preference? That- I think that's individual preference. I mean really the easiest way to get to, to process calories on a, you know, not as part of your diet, you're at a healthy, normal meals and stuff, but when you're on the run, getting the calories in through you know, simple or, or complex carbohydrates like a maltodextrin or something is, is really the easiest way to get those in. Um, if you can stomach gels and sports drink and, and, and the, their ilk, um, the whole way go for it. I mean, that's what I, when I run in a hundred mile or I'm, I'm eating gels and drinking sports drink. I might have a little, I might have like uh, a, a handheld bottle with Coke for the last 15 miles. Um, but I'm like for solid food, people like solid food. It feels good. And as long as you're eating it in tolerable amounts, it's, it's not detrimental, but um, it definitely isn't so much performance oriented, I think as uh, that's what mood oriented. Yeah. yeah for, or, 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 you know, you know, I mean having like a, a couple of chips or whatever, that's not, never going to hurt you um, in an aid station but you know, there's people who eat a ton of real food 
Um, and maybe that bolsters their spirits and does help them perform better. But it, you know, it just access to calories basis isn't necessarily the best option. Right. Okay. So yeah, I, I was always thinking that that maybe that was you know that there was something like that's why you find French fries and um, peanut butter sandwiches and all you know tons and tons of junk food at ultra marathon <laughs> hit stations. Whereas in a marathon, it's it's uh, gels and and sports, yeah. and nothing else. I, it feels good. I mean, that's the <laughs> right. simple answer, and and you do get calories from it. Right. Um, and especially, I mean, and part of the difference is if you're really trying to perform at a, say, an elite level or, you know, really race it at a high, high heart rate or something, you're not, your blood can't digest as well. You know, can't, your stomach can't digest as well because the blood is being diverted to your muscles and your skin to cool. Um, but if you're going out there to run your first 50 and to do it real sort of casually just to, to finish um, in a real control, controlled and conservative manner, you know, having those peanut butter sandwiches or some fries isn't isn't going to hurt you at all. You're, you're going to be able to process that a lot better than, say, uh, an Anton Krupichka or a Scott Jerk trying to right. set a 24 hour record or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad you went there to the idea of not running it competitively and the idea that you know that, that just because the food feels good, um, it may not be the best for your performance as far as you know what it's doing for you physically, but. What I've been telling people recently, when they, when they, you know, I tell someone I, I run, I run a few fifty milers, and I'm training for a hundred, and the thing I've kind of started to notice is that it's really, at least for someone like me who, who's not, you know, by any means an elite runner, um, it's it's so much more. The difference between running a marathon and running a fifty or a hundred, um, I, I think, is so much more about mental and just being able to put up with it and get yourself to not quit when you really really want to um where you know am i physically in better shape to run 50 miles than i than i was when i was a marathoner mainly i don't really think so um so i guess i guess if if that's what people are doing then maybe it's uh maybe eating the food that that makes you feel comfortable and happy um you know it is what you need i don't know totally that 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 i would i would agree with that statement you know and keep if you can keep your spirits up Right. And, and minimize the, the the dark places. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. So so I guess what kind of recommendations do you have for that? You know, I know that um, my, some of my lowest points running were were the last twenty miles of or the last ten miles of, of a fifty. You know. So what what kind of uh, recommendations do you have for people who who are facing that for the first time? That's the longest they've ever run before, and <laughs> um, you know are, are trying to get through that through that low point. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of techniques. To, like, bribe yourself, you know, you're going to get to the mile 80, you know, if you're running at 50, you're at the mile 48 station, you're going to have a Coke and a Snickers bar. Or uh, <laughs> if you're doing a 100-miler and you can, you know, have your spouse promise to pace you or your sister or your, you know, a sibling who doesn't really run much but gets really would get really excited to help you out. Like, <laughs> find ways to motivate yourself to keep going. I've had – that's worked for me in the past. Uh have a, a mantra, just like a positive mantra, kill those dark thoughts. Uh, during the summer, I don't, during the winter, I listen to music when I run. I don't so much during the summer, but I will have uh, an iPod shuffle or whatever ready. Um, I won't carry it with me, but if I go to a dark place, it, it's often at an aid station for me uh, just to distract myself. Sure. Um, find, just making friends on the trail, joke, going to an aid station and joking around. Uh, you know, just have fun with the volunteers. Or your family, or you know, whoever you see, uh, and, and sharing a positive spirit reflects back on you. And I've seen it happen countless times in races. So, yeah, it's such a tough thing. I mean, you just 
at least in my experience, you know, you, just, you, you don't, you have no idea what to expect or, or really how it's going to actually feel until you get to it. Because, like in training for a fifty miler, you don't really go over thirty, and you just kind of, uh, you you kind of leave it up to yourself on race day to, to get through that. Yep. Why, why don't you think? I mean, how come, how come programs generally don't have you running a higher percentage of the total mileage? Because that's like people are always shocked that if I say for a fifty miler you only go and run thirty miles. It just seems so strange that you wouldn't rehearse more than that. Is it just kind of practical? You know, it, it's hard to set up a, a forty-mile training run, like as far as nutrition and all that goes. Yeah, I mean, and it, that's definitely an aspect of it. It's hard to find the time, the logistics. Uh, if you ha- if you don't have a great base, I mean, there's just the the, the training stress of it. Right. Uh, you know, if if you're if you've only run a marathon and you just want to jump straight up to a fifty-miler, fitting a forty-mile in there that's another huge hurdle for you to go over. And what if it goes poorly? Right. Like then you dig yourself into a mental hole. I can't do it. Uh, you're going to have those dark thoughts on that anyway. I mean, really a great goal to have in tr- preparing for your first ultra or your first 50 mile, like a longer ultra, like a 50 or a hundred is to, to be able to find your all day pace, which is both physical and mental. I mean, just find that pace where you can, or that effort that you can just, keep running at you could you know go do 20 miles and you know just keep continuing on that for as long as you want uh you get and part of that is getting your fueling down like knowing what works for you and the regularity and what products um because really at a certain point you know again if you're not trying to set records or, or or win a major ultra like a lot of it is just getting yourself into that headspace and physical routine where you can just propel yourself forward um and you're not really thinking you're not having to challenge yourself all the time that oh i'm at 32 i gotta get to 33 no just shut that portion of the brain off and just i'm out running right and yeah. can keep running and i think that and, that can be really hard for people especially if they're coming out of you know several marathons or in that kind of training where you know they're just going as hard as they can you know and you know pulling through aid stations grabbing a water and not even stopping you know um, that's a, it's a totally different mentality when you're when you're running an ultra and people stop and hang out at aid stations and um, you know sometimes there's chairs you can sit down in and uh, you know I think it, I think it's different and people have to learn how to do that. It's an adjustment. It is. It's a big adjustment. But in the end, a fun one. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. Even if you even if you like for myself, like I'm training for the Western States 100 this year, and I'll do a number of races beforehand, but mostly as supported long runs. Like I'm not. I'm not going in then to run them all out. Um, and I'll have fun along the way and, and really try to enjoy that and not be competitive about them and right. see if you, see if you can find that in your training. I mean, that might be a good reason if you're training for a 50 K or a hundred mile or to run a marathon, say with a slower friend, maybe one of your friends is running their first marathon right. or, yeah, that's a good idea. you know, your, your slower spouse or your coworker is trying to run some, their first marathon or run their PR, go run with it. My first, real ultra distance run was pacing a, a buddy from college he was running his first marathon i paced him and then i had two co-workers running the same marathon so i ran back up the course and <laughs> ran in with them like and it, it was just it was mentally easy because i wasn't thinking about myself i wasn't i mean i was taking care of myself but it wasn't my day i was just yeah. going running right and That's supporting cool. other people and helping them out and it was, it was a positive experience so yeah it's, it certainly is a fun thing and, and if, if all you've ever done is is marathons and halves and road running um it, it is totally different the mentality is different the mindset especially if you're not a competitive runner um yeah 
you know, it, it's just so much more about, you know, you walk up the hills, you, like Doug said, stop for five or ten minutes at the aid stations. And I know a lot of people who kind of, um, they transition and they, they try and alter it and then they kind of get addicted because they just can't bring themselves to get back to that uh, that mentality of, like, you know, going as fast as you can through the aid station, barely having time to follow the Gatorade, filling it all mm-hmm. up yourself. It's just, like, such a different... Um, it, it's a different sport than even marathon running at, at the levels that we're doing it at, of course, not... Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to exclude every, you know, the top 2% from this discussion. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not... No, I'm not prepared, or I'm not one of those, so I can't really speak for them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've raced everything from 200 meters, 800 meters, you know, road races out of college marathons and it it's a totally different feeling and approach to, to ultras there's not i mean for one thing you're not racing you're not not at that red line for so long it's like the you can either throw the frog into boiling water and it's going to jump out that's that's the short road racing stuff or if you put the frog in the pot and just slowly turn up the heat it stays in there and you sort of can deal with the pain is it you know the, the pain and the difficulties as it comes on but you're not at that intense level right away and and holding that the whole time Right. Which is a big difference. Okay. So, All right, so oh, go ahead, Doug. Well, so so for people who are, are maybe just thinking of doing this, you know, do you, would you recommend that they start at the fifty k level or or go ahead and jump to the fifty miler if they're if they're up for that? I say go with the fifty k, honestly, and and part of that might just be to be indoctrinated to that new approach, right? You know, just to to learn what the aid state and the aid stations are totally different to learn what the other racers are like on race day. Chances are in the U.S. it's going to be on trails. So, mm-hmm. you know, picking up the trail etiquette a little bit, at least in a, in a group setting, um, is different. So just go get the experience. And, I mean, one of my things is really encouraging people not to rush it. Like, as soon as you say you're signing up for an ultra, some of the people in that community you are going to be asking, are you, are you running 100 or what's next? Or, and you're going to feel this pressure or just or desire to, to keep stepping it up right away. Right. You know, take your time. There's no... There's no magic just at, say, the 100-mile distance. Like, 50 mile, 50K is a big accomplishment, and 50 miles is a big accomplishment. 100 miles is a big accomplishment. Enjoy them. Savor them. Get to know those distances and maybe not become a perfect, you know, perfect at them, but get some experience. Yeah, I remember reading that in, uh, in, in your book that you, know, that you don't have to go through all three of the big distances in the same season, um, and it's, it's kind of crazy to really... Attempt that. I mean, not, not that it's impossible, but you know, I no, no, I couldn't. Have. I didn't have the my willpower, mentally willpower. I was exhausted after each one of those things. There's no way I could do it again for several months. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I sort of just through being with, you know, you get in the ultra community and there's just so many enthusiastic people around. I went straight from a, my first 50k to a 70 miler five weeks later, uh, <laughs> and then I, but then I was very conscientious to. I mean, I could have done a hundred miler that summer, but but why? And I waited another, it was like two and a quarter years between my first ultra and, and doing a hundred miler. And I could have done it before, but I really didn't see a need to. Right. All right. So I do want to get into your book, um, but since we've moved pretty quickly before um, through these questions, I have a uh, personal selfish question. Uh, that I don't know if it applies to anyone else or not, but when I finished my first and second 50 milers, my thought was, I want to run 100, but there's no possible way I can do it because I because seeing how this feels, there's no way I could ever do this again. Like right now, it's just not possible. And then I told some friends about this who who've done several hundreds, and they said it's just a mindset thing and it's about mm-hmm. going out there. So if, if if for example in your training program, I'll get up to 
um, somewhere between 50 and and 50 miles and 100k before the race, if if all goes well. Um, with a there's a 12 hour race that I'm that's nearby me, and I'm gonna plan on doing that one. So if I'm not getting any more than say 60 miles in in my training, you know how how can I go out there a couple months later and say no, it's awful. I 100k just fight. I mean, I guess it's a matter of just, you know, you go out there on that 50 mile race and, and back off, you you get that feel, maybe there's a higher intensity because it's a race, but just back off that five or 10%. And if you back off that, I'm not necessarily talking about time, it's just that effort. You you, you ease back that needle a little bit and there's going to be a place that just feels comfortable. Like it's your natural stride. You're going to, you know, you've done a 50 miler. You're going to have all of your training running just a small fraction off that 50 mile race pace is going to feel really comfortable and just go out at that pace for the hundred. Like you, you should feel after that 50, if you go do another long run, try to run it just at a slightly more relaxed effort. And hopefully you'll feel like this is just, I could just keep cruising like this forever and and go out with that mindset that you're that you're not racing 100 miles because you're not uh maybe the last 30 or you know whatever some point in the end you might try to push the effort but if especially if it's your first 100 there's no there's no sense in that like your best day is going to be going out at that you know all day running pace that easy running pace that just feels natural um don't worry about you know minutes per mile or anything like that just run your normal relaxed trail stride and the longer you can hold that for the better 100 mile you're going to have if you try to go hard early and then just put time in the bank that's not going to be a pleasant experience and it's not going to be your fastest uh first hunt you know way to get to a first hunter just go out and try to hang on to that 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 easy running effort as long as you can and do everything you can to maintain that with a positive mindset with fueling with hydration with staying on top of issues that come up along the way um my my favorite one of my favorite experiences ever has or it's happened twice in a hundred um i remember one year going into the the cal cal street in uh, western states like 62 to 78 and it felt like i just put my shoes on and went out the door like it was i was fresh and having that feeling and that it wasn't just physical it was mental that I was just running smooth and easy at, you know, 70 miles, 75 miles into a race. And that was the best I could hope for. All right. Well, uh, Doug, you've got a, you've got a ultra of your own coming up. Um, you have any selfish questions before we get into the, uh, talk about his book? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, Brandon, I, I believe you run the Mount Mitchell challenge out in, uh, in North Carolina. I have run that. Yeah. Yeah. So I have that coming up this weekend and you know, it's, it's a little bit different. So most of, um, my running has been uh, in the DC area where I live now and um and the trails around here are, you know they can be hilly but there's no no long climbs nothing like this Mount Mitchell challenge that uh that I'm going on so what kind of advice do you have for from that kind of running Well number 1 I hope it's not icy on top number 2 <laughs> It's supposed to be it's supposed to be so <laughs> It was the year I did it and that presents a little challenge yeah. but uh yeah I mean just uh sort of this whole idea of just finding you shouldn't be pushing yourself a 40 mile race you're pushing your you know you're going up that mountain um 
don't push yourself. Just find a nice, comfortable, relaxed stride. Uh, it, I mean, you're going to be out there for five, six, I mean, I don't know how many hours, but you know, you're going to be out there for a while. Yeah. Don't push that, that climb, just whatever that, you know, that, that ultra distance is just, just, I don't know how, how to exactly describe that, how you back off, but just if, you know, you might not want to have a conversation the whole way up the mountain, but you should be able to, you know, have a nice exchange pleasantries with the guy running next to you sure. or the, the gal running next to you. Um, Feel relaxed. Exact, feel relaxed. Don't you can. There's plenty of space to push it on the downhill. There's a lot of downhill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, sa- save some legs and same it, mental energy because there's really, I mean, whether it's training for an ultra or, or running an ultra, just not stressing and saving the mental energy for for those times when you need it is, is crucial. You can't be on edge all the time. You right. can't be challenging yourself all the yeah, time. I, I feel like that's what I've learned, learned in my limited um, Also, Brian, while we're on the topic, we, Doug and I both love the, uh, the Asheville post you guys just put up on I Run <laughs> last week because I actually live there now, and Doug uh, used to come here a lot, and, and you know he's coming, obviously, now for this one. So, uh, yeah, it's a great town. My sisters lived there a couple times, and I just spent a week there actually last uh, October, and it's a, it's a fantastic trail running town. It's definitely a place I would encourage people to go uh, – Go get some trail miles in and have some uh, good food, good beer, and some uh, some fun in town. Yeah. Right. Um, before we get into the book, is that a, a Vitamix or a Blendtec that somebody keeps running in the background there behind you? Oh, I'm sorry. That's a uh, – I'm at a coffee machine. shop. No. It's an espresso machine. That was my other kid. <laughs> good. Uh, yeah, no, no, not a problem at all. We're, we're more than happy to have you, have you on here with us. Um, okay, so let's, let's talk about Relentless Forward Progress. Um, I've read it. I think – Doug, have you read it also? I have, yep. Yeah, I use it to train for uh, my first 50-miler. Yeah, it's an excellent book. Uh, one of the first, at least the first that I had heard about, um, that, that kind of a strictly ultra-running book and one that uh, was comprehensive as well. Uh, didn't just touch on certain aspects, but provides plans for all the different distances. And not only that, but um, reasonable workable plans. Like this, the 100-miler uh, plan, there's there's a 50-miles-a-week plan and a 70-miles-a-week plan, uh, which... You know, I think a lot of people expect that to run a hundred mile, you need to do a lot more than that. Um, so I was, I was kind of pleased to see that. And then, you know, there's so much stuff in there. There's, there's all kinds of different sidebars and things from different guest writers. Uh, one from my friend Adam Chase was in there, which I was happy to see. And uh, you know, even stuff about how do you go to the bathroom in the woods and all kinds of that. Because <laughs> people are scared about that. If you're living, if you've been a road runner all your life, and you, you know, you're used to going to porta pots, it's you're like, what do I do now? Well, yeah. yeah, sure. <laughs> right, right. And of course, there's the nutrition information. So I don't know. I mean, Ryan, do you have anything to say? Like, you know, what have I left out about that? Like, what's I mean, about the, you know, you mentioned that the, there's the training plan for sort of each of the major distance groups, you know, 50K, you know, another one for 50 miles to 100K, and then 100 miles. Um, but, you, you know, you said there was, you know, plans for 50 miles a week and 70 miles a week. Those are really like the peak weeks of training after you've built up. Right. I mean, most of it's less than that. And I've run, um, Hundred milers, where I've over the six week, six months beforehand, uh, averaged thirty five miles a week. Probably in peak, I got up to you know sixty, maybe seventy miles um, for a couple weeks. But you don't have to to give up your life to to be an ultra runner. I mean, some people really get into it, and that's their main <laughs> focus. But uh, you you can do it on a, a reasonable uh, uh, schedule. My first ultra, my first hundreds, I trained for were. Uh, I was working full time at a law firm, going to night school, night law school at night, and uh, and training, um, and it, it fit in well enough. 
yeah, so that's, I'm glad you mentioned that because that, that's really a good way to sum up, hopefully, this whole conversation. Um, you know, just the idea that, that it's not it's not some superhuman accomplishment that, that you have to put your entire rest of your life aside for. I mean, people think even a marathon or half marathon is that, and of course they're not. But, I mean, you know, people are shocked to find out um, not, not just how short the longest run in an ultra, ultra training program needs to be, but uh, like you just mentioned, you know, that 50 miles at your peak week to run 100 milers, and that, that just seems crazy. Um, yeah. So it, I'm glad people, you know, I want people to get that message that, you know, ultra marathon, it's a different sport than, than marathoning for sure, but uh, it, it's not necessarily a harder one. It's, it's different, and it, um, you know, doesn't necessarily require more training or not, not that much more. Not that much more. No, that's a great way to sum it up. Good. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, just one more plug for Relentless Forward Progress. You know, I think that, uh, one thing that I appreciated the most was exactly that, how, um, you know, you had all these guests on that are some of the elites in the sport, um, but they and you, you know, just made it so um, manageable, made it feel so manageable. And I know it for me when, it, you know, I was terrified by the distance, um, you know, I, I gained confidence that I could actually do it and that, you know, anybody can do it, as, as we've mentioned before. So, yeah, get out there, get running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a great book i mean easy to read too just very approachable makes the sport approachable so uh we appreciate the book Are you, any plans to write on anything else brian like any upcoming stuff we nope. should look for that's nope. it <laughs> just uh just publish and i run far that's that's taken up good. enough my time <laughs> good all right well uh brian we appreciate this your time very much um doug and i know at least got some useful tips out of it for ourselves and i'm hoping that that readers i'm sure readers got a lot, a lot of information here that you know, some of them will use and actually go around a 50 miler this, this, you know, this fall or something. Very cool, guys. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks a lot. lot. And good luck at Western States this year. Yes. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right. See you later, Brian. All right. So uh, that was our interview with Brian Powell. And uh, again, Brian is from irunfar.com. Check it out if you've never seen it. It's an excellent resource for ultra running and trail running. And, uh, yeah, Brian's Brian's just the I don't know, to me he's the authority on ultra running and uh you know, Doug, could you could you say that Brian wrote the book on ultra running? <laughs> I guess you could say that, yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why I'm a blogger and not a comedian. <laughs> I don't have, in general I don't have good jokes. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, it'll it'll do. <laughs> okay. Um so anyway, let's you know, now we're going to break down some of what we talked about just because we didn't want to waste brian's time um talking about our beginner stuff but uh we'll go into just a few of the things that we talked about with him and uh, i guess the first one we really should talk about is the trail running thing and how do you get into that because we went into a little bit of detail about that but how do you how do you really get into trail running if it's something you've never done and if you're like i was and you were doug where where that's like uh, you know it seems like a big hurdle because all you've done up to that point is road running and it seems like every ultra marathon you look up for the most part is on trails i mean if you if you were just running roads your choices of ultra marathons would be severely limited so you know sure. let's pretty much assume you need to start running trails if you want to get into ultra running so the way that i did it um you know i really didn't know anything about it i didn't know how hard it would be i i guess my my impression of it was that it would be way way harder than road running and i remember thinking i could run a marathon uh, and I can, at the time, I, I had qualified for Boston, so I thought I can run a pretty fast marathon by my standards. Um, but but what is trail running going to do that? And like, 
how, how much harder is it going to be to run on trails? And it turns out it it's definitely slower. I mean, I think the rule of thumb is is that you'll be about 20% slower on most trails. But of course, that varies tremendously based on the actual terrain and elevation changes. But uh, I wouldn't really say it's harder. Would you, Doug? No, I wouldn't. I it you know it's different. I think it does work a little bit different muscles and things like that. But um, I know I you know I think uh, I think trail running in some ways is easier because because you're running slower you can. Um, well, I don't know if, I don't, easier, maybe not. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that you just kind of, it's just an adjustment of your, of your run, of your stride. Um, it, it is a little easier on your legs and your impact and that kind of thing. But, um, no, it's definitely not harder. Right. So it, it works. I mean, it works your muscles more. I think like it's because they're in general are more hills, you, your legs will be maybe more tired after running on trails for the same distance. Um, and not to mention the fact that you're out there for 20% longer. Um, right. but, but because like you said, you have to, you have to change your stride and you have to do things differently. Not, not always on purpose, but kind of just for me, that sort of naturally happened as you, as you're dodging rocks and just kind of always scanning the ground and picking the path of re- least resistance and, you know, and taking lots of walk breaks for hills often as you do that, it, it varies, it mixes up your stride. So it, it's not like on the road where you're taking the exact same step 50,000 times or whatever, whatever it might be. Uh, I bet it's not 50,000 actually, <laughs> but <laughs> whatever, 5,000, I don't know. It's probably more than 5,000 on a, on a typical run, typical long run. But anyway, you're not taking that same step. I mean, it's, every step is different. So by the end of a, of a long trail run, you don't feel, or at least I don't ever feel that, um, that, that just soreness and numbness or whatever it is in your legs that just from pounding on the roads time and time again, uh, you just, I don't know, you feel tired, but in, in a better way, I would say. Definitely. I would and, agree with that for sure. And I think also, and also that building that those different, different types of steps, they work different muscles and they build those different stabilizer muscles. So I think you actually become more resistant to injury, even if there is perhaps a, a bigger chance of tripping on something and getting an injury, like, you know, when you roll an ankle on a rock or something like that, or get bit by a, whatever, bear, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so, I think you know, I think it's a more full body workout and and than than typical road running is. Yes. Especially definitely. it especially in the legs, you know. Yes. I guess that's not full body. <laughs> no, no, no. The core. Right. Anyway. Right. Yeah, so running works your legs. That's that's the take home message from our little talk here. <laughs> um anyway, so how do you get into trail running is the question. Because I delayed it for a long time and I just didn't was was kind of scared to do it, and it kept me from getting into ultras in in some way. Um, for me, the the answer to that is finding a group. Actually, first let me put an advertisement for my guest post that I wrote on Zen Habits back in the early days of No Meat Athlete. I wrote a guest post uh, about how you get into trail running, so we'll link to that in the show notes, uh, and there'll be much more there than than probably that we'll talk about. But the big key was finding a group to do it with, because first of all, I didn't know where trails were. I mean, I knew where they were, but I didn't know how to how to find the parking lots for them. And once I was on the trail, I wouldn't have had an idea where, where you go and how do you not get lost? I'm, I'm the worst navigator in the world, uh, worst orienteer you can imagine. So I'm, I'm pretty much guaranteed to get lost if I go on my own on something like that. So having a group was essential for me. And, uh, and you also just learn so much quicker, like what, you know, how, how to do trail running and just what people do. Like I remember my very first group trail run that I did, we approached this stream like less than a mile into the run. Um, 
and I, you know, I think I had trail shoes. No, I didn't even have trail shoes. I just had regular road running shoes, which probably a lot of people do for their first trail run, um, with socks on and everything. So we approached the stream, looked like it was about six feet across, and I thought, okay, well, I guess we're going to just hop on the rocks or whatever. Nope, they just charged right directly through the water, uh, like up to their, halfway up their shins. <laughs> and and I did the same thing. So then everyone's feet were soaked, but I'm sure mine were soaked for a lot longer than everybody else's because I didn't have the right stuff on. So you know I didn't really know that 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 I wouldn't have known that's what you do, and that's that's actually part of the fun. Like when you know as, after that was done, then it felt like man, I'm a trail runner. This is great. I'm getting wet and dirty, and you know right away I realized how much different it is. Um. So yeah, get a group for safety reasons as well because. You know, not just not just getting lost, but like we said, there's there is more chance of taking a big spill, and uh, it's good to good to be good to be with somebody else in case that sort of thing happens. How'd you well, get trail running? Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say that uh, you know, for me it was a little bit different. I I didn't um, join up with uh, a big group of people, although um, I did run with my old roommate quite a bit when I was first getting onto trails. But my biggest hurdle was um, knowing that finding trails that weren't intimidating to me. You know, I've, I've done lots of hiking, but I've never imagined running a lot of those, a lot of those trails. You know, when you're a hiker, you don't think that running up that trail is, is something possible. Um, and it turns out that there's trails everywhere, even in the middle of uh, a city like DC, you know, there's this great park, Rock Creek Park, which I write about a lot over on Rock Creek Runner, you know, and it was just finding, uh, trails that were accessible for me on a day-to-day basis. I didn't have to drive two hours out to the mountains, you know, but there, there's tons of trail networks um, near just about anywhere. You know, if you just look hard enough, um, you're going to find them. And so it was finding accessible trails that weren't too rugged that I could um, go easy on for my first several, several runs. Um, and, you know, one thing I tell people when they ask me how to start trail running is to, instead of going for distance, go for time. You know, we talked about this a few minutes ago about um, how you run 20% slower, and, and it is intimidating at first. So if you're used to running five miles, and then you go out and you try to run five miles on trail for the first time, you know, you're going to be wiped out. Right? Yeah. Um, so instead of, you know, if, if you were going to go for an hour-long run, just go for an hour-long run and turn around whenever you have to, um, you know, after 30 minutes, I think that's a that's a good approach, and that make that takes some of the pressure off of the distance and the um, elevation change and that kind of thing. Yeah, and we mentioned this a little bit, but we, I don't know if we really um, specifically said it. You, you mentioned that hills and trying to find a trail that was accessible and didn't have too many hills. Um, certainly, you want to do that, but you're going to find obviously there are going to be some hills on your trail. And one thing a lot of people don't understand when they get into trail running is that. Everyone walks the hills in trail running. Not, I mean, maybe not the elite runners and maybe not even the very best runners in your little trail running group or club, but almost everybody else uh, run walks on the steepest of hills on the trails. And for most people, it's smart because you can you can walk a lot more. I guess, yeah, I guess it's efficiently. Um, you're not using yeah. as much energy when you're walking because you're not doing as much up and down movement. And uh, and so the people who who you see running up hills during trail races if they're not elite runners then very often you will be passing them later on in the race because people you know they, they just don't understand that it's that not only acceptable to do that but it's actually good and it's good race strategy not to run up the steep hills right so it's different and it's more relaxing because of that I mean, you just take more breaks it's not quite as intense as like going out and doing a, a 
you know, half marathon or something like that. Um, again, at the highest levels, it is. I'm, I mean, I'm sure people just just tear through the woods and and don't stop ever and just you know crazy workouts. But I don't do that. Doug doesn't do that. No, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> so that's right. It is. A, it's a totally different type of running, and I think that that's what's so appealing to a lot of people. Um, you know, who are used to pounding the pavement. Because yeah. it is a big adjustment, but it's fun. You know, like you mentioned with running through the creek, you know, it's fun to get dirty and yeah. fun to hop on rocks and it's fun to do all that stuff. So. Yeah, it is. And you feel good and you're out. I mean, you're in nature instead of with cars going by and it's just way, way nicer for that reason. So um, anyway, don't, you know, don't let trail running stop you. And there are all kinds of resources. Check out that Zen Habits post because I did do it. I tried to do the best job I could of uh, making that succinct, but uh, but also comprehensive. So. We'll link to that. Yeah. And both of us have written tons of posts on trail running, so we'll link to some of those yeah, as well. Yeah, that's right. Not just the one. All right, so let's now talk about, assuming you've conquered trail running and, and you're not afraid to do it, um, how do you actually start upping your mileage? Like, How do you how do you go from – let's I mean, let's let's just say – let's say you can get up to a marathon on roads. Um, I mean, if, you, if you've never done – if you've done a half marathon maybe or even less and you want to get up to a marathon – there's there are plenty of resources out there about uh, marathon training. There are not that many about ultra marathon training, which is why Brian's book is such a great resource. But you know, let's just talk about kind of the general principles of how do you start getting your mileage up to first attack a 50k and then possibly later a 50 miler. Yeah. So, Doug, how did you do that? What you what was your approach when you went up for your first 50k? You know, it was it was. I pretty much took my marathon training plan and just slightly adapted it. Um, you know, I obviously ran more miles on trail, but um, I cut out some of the uh, speed work and just instead did, you know, four or five, six mile days. Um, so I just kind of adjusted those those times when I would have been doing speed work to just add a few more miles and kind of upped my weekly mileage that way. And then, you know, I did do a little bit more on the long runs, maybe added a mile or two um to some of the longest runs, but, you know, I never ran more than 22, 23 miles, um, on my 50 K training plan. You know, it's not like, and I think that this is something that most people who have never run an ultra before think it's not like you have to all of a sudden be running three times as many miles, um, you know, or twice as many miles if you're running a 50 miler, uh, versus a marathon. Um, you know, that's not the, that's simply not the case, but as you know, slightly adjusting those miles to be, uh, <clears throat> to, you know, so you can spend more time out on the trail, out on the road. And uh, I don't know. What about you? Um, it's very similar to what you did. So what you said first, the, the big difference between an ultra plan and a marathon training plan is really just, for me, it was just in those longest runs. Um, like for a 50-miler, I made sure I got in a 30-mile run, and I made sure I got in a marathon distance run. But – Day-to-day, it really wasn't that different, and week-to-week, there wasn't even that much more mileage. I mean, like you said, what I did, just like you, I replaced those more intense workouts with slower, longer workouts. So I had like a seven-mile run on the trail near my house that was just, you know, it it worked out really well to run seven miles. So that became my my everyday kind of run, and I, I don't mean every single day. I took two days off every week or so. Right. But that was like my week run where where like during the week run, I mean. So like I don't know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that's what I would do. And then uh Saturday would be the, the long run. And the thing about 
I mean, assuming you've already done a marathon, and if you're coming off of that marathon and you've rested a little bit, but you're ready to start training now for your 50K, you you know, if you've already gotten the marathon and you already have a good solid base under you, then you don't need to do this big buildup again where you start at, at six or eight miles for your long run and gradually work your way up. You can start, I mean, you can you can take two or three weeks off after your marathon and then go out there and start your 50K program or 50-mile program or whatever with, with a 12 or 14 or 16-mile run. If you're, right. of course, if you're fully recovered and you're feeling good and not injured or anything. And so, so if you just, that, I mean, those long runs like that, you're putting in a lot more miles each week as a result of just things like that. And then, and then you work in those, those few, couple key really long runs. Uh, a lot of people like to do the back to back runs instead of getting up long. Like I had a friend who did, uh, Vermont with me and he ended up, I think the longest he ever ran before the race was, was 22, the, that 22 miles before a 50 mile race. Of course he'd run marathons in the past before, or maybe he did the marathon distance, but, um, he, he did more back to back stuff. And I've heard Scott Jurek talk about this where for a hundred mile race, what he'll do is go out uh, on Saturday and do a really long run. I don't know, maybe, maybe 20 to 30 miles. And then the next day do something similar to that. So it's not like he was putting in a whole bunch of 15, 60 mile training runs, but that back to back, you know, in the span of 48 hours, that's not, that's not all that different in your, in your, the mind of your, or, in, you know, as to how your body feels. Right. So, um, that's, that's another strategy. So, uh, yeah, I guess the, the message is that it's, it doesn't have to be some crazy amount of mileage. Brian's book, like I said, my, my hundred mile training so far has been on the 50 mile a week plan where you will peak at 50 miles. Um, which seems crazy. I never thought you could do that. But um, there's also a 70-mile plan, and I, I kind of do plan on, as I get just a little bit more into the program, stepping up to to that one. And they, the programs really aren't that different at, in the early stages, and I'm hoping it should be easy to transition from one to the other because I'd like to get in more than 50 miles a week, and I have the time to do it. So I do want to get up to that. It's not crazy. Like, it's just not crazy training. And that's that's sort of the other thing that we mentioned with Brian is that it's ultramarathoning at our level is not some – superhuman physical accomplishment that only the fittest of athletes can do uh it's really it's it's like the same to me it seems like it requires the same level of fitness as a marathon perhaps even less like from a from your best marathon but it requires a head game and the first time you do it it's going to be really tough to to get through that dark period in a 50 mile or between you know say say 35 and 45 or, or between 30 and 40 where it's like you're not really that close to the end but you're also really tired and all you want to do is stop or sit down how do you get through that and i think that's really at our level that's the skill of ultra running is how do you get good at that and how do you get good at handle the fueling and all that kind of stuff rather than uh, a purely physical thing obviously physical stuff matters but that other stuff plays such a big part in it right oh totally and you know i think that you know because you're not training more than 30 miles for a 50 miler you know you're running that last uh, you know, 20 miles, um, totally on willpower and, um, and the mental part and, mm -hmm. and it will get low. I mean, you and I have both experienced that. That's some of the lowest points that I know that I've had running or during my 50 miler and probably you too. Um, yep. but you know, and that's part of the, that's part of the training and that's part of, uh, kind of what you get used to and good at. And, um, in some races you can have a pacer where somebody like a buddy run with you, um, and that kind of can help. And, 
you know, that's just, that's, that's the adventure and that's of the appeal for a lot of people is kind of the mental side of it. Yeah. And what I like to do actually in those moments is retire from running in my head. I tell myself that, that this is the end for me and I'm not, as soon as I finish this race, I'm never ever doing this again. <laughs> Why did I possibly do this? Why am I wasting my time with this stupid stuff that's so miserable? Um, <laughs> but you eventually get through it and, uh, I've, I've actually, I'm going to try a different approach next time. After reading Scott Jurek's book, Eat and Run, he talks so much about how, for a lot of people, that's kind of the reason to ultra, like to run ultras, and it probably is, um, is to, to reach that point where you have nothing left, and, and it just feels like you have to stop, and you just want to stop. Um, like, once you've kind of stripped away everything else, like all the really physical assets that you have, and, and you're just kind of going on willpower, for a lot of people, that's sort of like a meditative experience um, or a spiritual experience, just seeing that pure, you know, reaching down to the very bottom of, of your soul or your will or whatever you want to call it right. and seeing what's there. So I, I'm really looking forward as I get into much harder training and much longer distance runs um, to kind of appreciating that pain, if that makes any sense, not, you know, at, at least noticing it and, and thinking about it rather than, rather than just trying to ignore it or trying to, to do anything, but, but, you know, anything to get my mind off the paint, like kind of just think about that sort of thing and, and appreciate it, I guess, in a, in a Zen-like way. Well, I think you'll have plenty of opportunity to do that uh, <laughs> during your 100-mile training. Yes, I'm sure I will. So um, I guess now let's talk a little bit about 50. Well, I guess, you know, we haven't really talked about 50K. How, how do you actually – we talked about, I mean, kind of in general, how do you increase your, your long runs – uh, for 50k, I think if you're not coming off a marathon, then and and if you're new to trail running, I think you should probably get some sort of long run in there in like the 24 to 26 mile range. Maybe not necessary. I mean, certainly people can do it on less than that, 20 or 22 on trails, and it'll make your race your 50k a little bit scarier, a little more uncertain. Um. But for many, for sometimes that's going to be the best thing. I mean, if it seems like the 26 is going to wipe you out too much and take away more than it than it benefits you, obviously it's not a good thing to do. But I think yeah. ideally, ideally get up to that sort of distance before your first one. Um, and again, unless you're coming, if you're coming off a marathon already, maybe you don't need to do that. Uh, I don't know. It really depends on the circumstances. But that's my take on it. So let's. So now that that's out of the way, the 50k. I mean, it, obviously that's not all there is to it but but that's kind of uh in a nutshell that that is what it is and it's not it's not any there's no rocket science it's not some crazy thing um so it's kind of just just picking a race and and deciding you're going to do it and then and then making it happen for me that was that's always a big step is is really choosing that race and saying i'm going to do this whether that involves signing up or not and usually it does and usually it should but um but just just like like it's really easy to go through a whole year or two saying, oh, yeah, I want to get into ultra running. And I think a lot of people do that. Like they read Born to Run and they're like, oh, I want to do that. That seems cool. And one day I'm going to get into that. But it, what it takes to actually do it, assuming you, you have those miles and, and the ability and the capability, you just need to pick a race and like go online, find one and, and figure out when your start date is. If you're going to have a 24-week program or an 18-week program and mark it on your calendar and set reminders and things. That's what I did with my – Google Calendar told it to remind me like a week before my training was supposed to begin because in my previous hundreds, I think the distance was so intimidating. I should say my training from my previous hundreds, which I never did. Um, the, the process to me seemed so intimidating that 
I thought about it and I chose races, but I never really like picked the plan and said, here's the start date. Here's when you need to actually start training. Instead, I just said, okay, I'm going to go out and do some base building because I have eight weeks until I would really need to officially start. So I'm just going to do this. And like during that time, I would, I, I don't know, get out of running for a little while, just not be as into it because I'm so far away. So I don't know, pick, pick a race, find when your start date is once you've chosen a program. Brian's programs are great. Um, just because, I mean, for no, if for no other reason than because they're actual programs from someone who you know and trust. Whereas if you just Google ultramarathon training on the internet, you'll find stuff, but it, it's hard to know what's legit and what isn't and what right. just worked for one person and what, what is tried and true. Definitely. And, you know, I think that a lot of people, when they first, they, you know, read Born to Run or, or read a book like uh, Eat and Run, um, is they hear about ultra running and they don't really know anything about it and they haven't heard of that many races. Um, but you'd really be surprised. There are 50Ks all over the place. And there's some, you know, there's some good uh, race calendars online that we can link to. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people out there running and they're not nearly as big as, um, you know, your big marathons and all that stuff. But um, there's a lot of races, a lot to choose from. And, and you can you can find one just about any month um, that will fit your schedule or, or you know, so if you're coming off of a marathon, you want to try to tie that in together or, or whatever, you know, you can find one that will, that will work for you. Yeah. Especially with 50 K distance, just because right. it's maybe a little less, I mean, less intimidating than 50 and 50 miles and, and more people will do them, of course. So yeah, those things, I mean, r- running clubs and running groups put those on all the time. And very often the ones, even the ones that you find on a calendar that seem like it must be some big official thing, you'll show up or you register and then you'll realize that it's really just like, two guys who decided that they, that they were going to put on a race and they're not really supplying very much other than the course with its markings, sometimes, sometimes minimal markings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, maybe they'll tell every runner to bring a jug of water or bring a sports drink or bring some sort of snack. And then the one, the first one I did was just called the Funt 50 K in, uh, Northeast Maryland. They, you know, they, they just put every runner's contribution. They just put that on a big truck and then drove that around to like the, I don't know, four or five aid stations along the course. And you kind of get there and you just share and you try what everyone else brought, um, which doesn't always work if you're a vegetarian or vegan. I mean, obviously your choices are limited. But uh, I had some good pickle-flavored potato chips when I did that last time, which was huh. nice. Yeah, it was kind of kind of good. So anyway. Um, yeah, but so for the 50-miler, what kind of adjustments did you have to make uh, for racing for that, You know, your first 50? Yeah, I mean, that's, that was different than the 50K. Whereas 50K, I mean, 50K was kind of like, I can use my marathon training experience and kind of just make it the same, but with some longer runs. 50 miles is more like, I really need to actually figure out what I'm doing and have a much more structured plan. So I made sure that I got up to uh, 30 miles in my longest run. And as I mentioned before, I also did a marathon distance run before that and probably a maybe a 24 and a 22 mile run. So many more long runs. I got some marathon training programs. You won't get up to more than 20 miles and you won't get up to it more than even one time in the, in the program. So for a 50, I mean, you definitely want to be going over 20 a lot of times, uh, back to back. Ideally, sometimes, I mean, you want that to be, you want 20 to be a very comfortable distance that you can just go out and do without a problem. Right. Um, besides that though, I mean, again, it wasn't, I didn't do any, any super hard training just the the week the weekly tuesday wednesday thursdays or sometimes monday 
that would be that seven miles, almost never longer than that. Maybe a couple of times I would throw in a 10 miler if there was like an extra chance and I was feeling good. But, uh, you know, not, not some crazy amount of miles. I don't think I ever peaked at more than 60 or 65 miles in the training. And I know people who have done it on much less than that too. So definitely. Again, yeah, let's just I think. I think the biggest differences between the, the 50k and the 50 miler is simply the amount of time that you're out there and what you know what that involves. You know, less so the miles themselves, but more the fueling changes and uh, the mental changes, and you know just how your body can handle uh, running for nine, ten, eleven yeah. hours. You know, and and you have to really um, you have to really consider what you're putting into your body um, and you know, how that's going to keep you going and, and making sure that you're, you're actually taking in fuel, that you're consistently taking in enough calories to, to go that long without bonking too bad. Right. And you won't really know what works for you just because the nature of training for a race that long is that you just don't put in a really long training run. It's just, I think it's kind of too much for your body to handle. I mean, to run a 40 mile run would probably do more harm than good uh, unless it was way far away from your actual race, like two months out or more. Right. So you don't do it. So you don't really know what your body can handle. I mean, and and so that means that means you need to take advantage of your 25 and your 30 mile run, and make sure you're using that time to hone, hone you know what what nutrition strategy works for you. And as we talked about with Brian, the optimal for for perhaps according to him, is is sugar. I mean gels and you know quick digesting, easy digesting carbohydrate, which generally is sugar, and it seems that that's what works for many of the elites um for me as i mentioned with brian i i tend to start to shift to craving more salty foods and actual whole foods like pita with hummus in it um peanut butter almond butter sandwiches pretzels Mm -hmm. you know snacks things like that um because and and perhaps it's because it's just kind of more comfortable to eat that food and that's what will keep me going and not wanting to quit but, uh, you know, so whichever one of those things works for you or if it's something entirely different, you've got to figure that out and have at least an idea going into your 50-miler what you're going to want to eat. And and you don't have to at all rely on the what they're providing. I mean, that's sort of unknown. It's not always uh, – marathons, like, they'll generally tell you exactly what sports drink they're providing right. and where the energy gel station is. With ultras, it's kind of – sometimes it's like you don't you don't have any idea and it's more on you to bring your own stuff. Uh, I mean, there's always lots of places to stop along the court, lots of aid stations. And you have crews with some of these longer races where they'll have stuff for you. Right. So you and have drop much more bags control. And, and things like that. Yeah. yeah you, can, you can, you can, they'll put a bag that you pre-supplied out at the 30 mile mark or, you know, something like that. And, you know, you can pick up stuff there. Yeah. Change your shoes or change socks or whatever. Put on compression socks. I mean, all different things you can do, of course. And if you have someone crewing you, it's even better. Because you can, you know, have a few more options as to what you can get and do. So anyway, the point is you have some more control over your fueling during the race. So you might as well figure out what it is that you're going to want rather than relying on what's going to be there. And often there's a lot of junk. There's like uh, Coke and Pepsi and Mountain Dew and uh, French fries are a big ultra running food. Potatoes are actually a good one. I like those when they just boil potatoes and dip them in salt. Uh, all kinds of junk, Oreos, M&Ms, candy, anything you could think of like that. But you don't know what's going to be there. You don't really know. So especially for vegans and vegetarians, you need to think about what you want to bring and bring your own stuff for the most part. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it's also kind of good to experiment you know, on your first – I mean, I don't know. You shouldn't 
take something you've never had before, I guess. But, um, you know, like I, you know, I had never dreamed of running with Coke before, but during this recent Mel Mitchell challenge, I had took a little bit and, um, you know, just took a few sips at one of the aid stations and it was, it was really great. And I ended up, you know, taking advantage of it at a few other aid stations. Um, you know, so some of the, so those things are there for a reason. People like them, they crave them. Um, so learn, you know, if you can learn what, what the aid stations are going to provide and kind of play around with those when you're, when you're in your training. Yeah. And Coke sounds so weird, but I'm, and I, I don't know my, that much about ultra running at the elite level, but I, I would imagine there are several of those guys and women who, who drink Coke during the race. Cause I, you know, it's, for me, it's been a huge pick me up. I've had moments where like, and maybe again, this could be a mental thing, but like 35 miles in, I'm really, really hurting. And then 42 or 43 miles in, I'm feeling great. Like the, like really the pain has gone away. And to some extent that's, I'm sure mental and probably most of it's mental and uh, adrenaline and stuff like that. But, but it always seems to follow drinking a Coke. So now it's like, that's my, you know, that maybe it's even placebo effect that I think a Coke will do that for me. And, and I start, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, it's worth trying. If it's going to be out there, then it, it's not a bad idea to try it um, on your own runs at some point if you're if you're willing to 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 do that. If you don't have a problem drinking Coke. Yeah, I think Brian even mentions in the interview of, of filling up an entire water bottle with that's Coke. Right. Or, you know, that's like, right. Yeah. Like especially in the hundreds, you know, when you're out there and there's 15 miles in between aid stations, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you can one bottle of water and one bottle of Coke and swap back and forth, I guess. Yeah, and it, I mean it's not. The reason Coke is so bad for you usually is because the high fructose corn syrup just goes right into your system and your body doesn't have to do any work to, to process it or anything, which is precisely why – that's exactly why it's good in a race like that. I mean, it's just a jolt of energy that you all of a sudden get. And it will expire. I don't know if there's really a true thing as like a sugar crash. I guess it's a real thing yeah. um, or a caffeine crash. But, um, yeah, that, that's one reason I've never – I always try not to drink the sodas and things like that early in the race because I don't want to get so amped up that I'll that I'll just start right. running way faster than I should and feel great and then crash halfway through. So I save that for the end, for the most part. Right. Cool. All right. Uh, well, anything else, Doug, about the Brian Powell interview that we should break down here? You know, I don't think so. I just, you know, I think that Brian touches on this and we've touched on it, but. Um, Ultra running is such a neat uh, part of aspect of the of the sport of running, and um, it's growing so rapidly these days. You hear about people all the time running their first ultras, and you know I I think it's growing in part because the myth that it's so much harder than a marathon um, is finally kind of uh, becoming realized that it's a myth, you know, and and so. Hopefully we can kind of get the word out with this and, and encourage anyone who's considering it to to read up on it with the links we got or contact us and ask some questions and um, you know it's it's a it's a cool thing. And yeah, it is, and it's 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 a lot lower key in general than marathons are. I mean, you, like those rock and roll type races and all that. I mean, they're fun, they're big parties. Ultra running for the most part is very very different from that. You have people, I don't know, who are just it's just such more of an outdoorsy thing. I mean, you, people, people bring food, share food afterwards, sit around, drink beers around a fire if it's cold. Uh, there's always, like, soups and things at the end of the races. And very often, actually, they're vegetarian and vegan. I'm always surprised. But uh-huh. it's it seems like, for some reason, a lot of race directors look out for vegans and, and vegetarians. Perhaps there's a higher percentage of them among ultra runners. I don't know. But yeah. 
Um, it's just it's just a, such a different experience from from marathon running. Not just in like the the out the festivities and the way people kind of handle themselves, but in the race itself. I and mean, that's and that's probably part of the reason you're not going the whole time. When you finish a, a 50k, you don't. It's not that marathon feeling generally where you're just like sick to your stomach and your body's going crazy and you just want to lay down and everything hurts and is painful. I mean, yes, there is some of that, but because you're not going at the same intensity all the time, it's a much slower, um, just much slower, lower intensity race. It's just kind of different. You don't always feel completely, completely, I don't know, sick or whatever in the same way you do after a marathon. So it lends itself to a little more relaxed atmosphere, uh, which is one reason among many to, to give it a try. Definitely. So, as Doug said, uh, feel free to leave us comments with questions. We'll ha- be happy to answer those for you. Um, and we haven't said this in a while, but please, if you're listening to our podcast and you enjoy it, then go to iTunes. We'll put a link there where you can either subscribe to it uh, or even better than that, leave us a review where you put like a rating and, and uh, leave a comment about the show because that's how we that's how it gets noticed and that's how more people will find out about not just no meat athlete in our podcast, but uh, just you know, to in, being introduced to this whole idea—the idea that people can can run as vegans and vegetarians—that's still something that a lot of people really don't know, believe it or not. So uh, do us a favor and uh, go go over to iTunes and and give us a review there. Absolutely. Um, all right. Anything else? I don't think there's too much news really. Last time when we recorded this, we had the news of the of the New York City thing, but we've already done that now. So that's no longer news. Uh, oh, I have news, Doug. That is actually your news. Um, we talked in the interview about mantras. Brian talked about mantras for races. So why don't you introduce? Why don't you tell everybody about mantras and, and what uh, is going on in your world involving mantras today? Yeah. So I uh, just recently or today uh, released a, a free ebook to anyone who signs up for it over on Rock Creek Runner. Um, about the power of a running mantra, and we break down the history of the mantra and um, how it's used in running and um, share a bunch of inspiring stories from Matt and uh, Susan and myself and Jason over at Strength Running, Greg at um, Pre-Dawn Runner, um, and a few others. And it's just a really, it's a neat book. Um, it, I think it, I think it's pretty inspiring and hopefully people um especially when it comes to ultra running when you're really feeling low and you need something uh in your mind to kind of refocus you and get you um get you moving forward and focus back on the run um you know mantras can can do some really great things so head on over to rockcreekrunner.com and you can uh sign up for the free uh ebook there yeah check that out it's a really it's a really cool book it's a great idea something i hadn't ever really thought of or imagined that someone would put together in a book but it's it's perfect i was looking at some of the other contributions and they're really good stories they're really personal and uh useful not just personal but useful mantras that that made me think wow hey i should try that or i should you know i should use that so it's good stuff and And, uh, you know it's one of those things that that i think that so many people use but we hardly ever talk about right right which is why it's such a great topic for a book so i'm I'm glad you wrote it, and everyone should check it out. All it will take is is an email address, and you will get it. And they'll, they'll get a lot of spam if they sign up for that, right? They'll get like porn no, they don't. and pharmacy uh, stuff in there. <laughs> Absolutely not. So no one will see the, your email address <laughs> other than me. And you know you'll you'll keep getting some uh, 
some updates from time to time and, and some other news and tips and that kind of thing um, from Rocket Gunner. But, uh, you know, definitely no spam. So don't worry about that. <laughs> okay. Not like the Viagra ads that you get when you sign up for Tommy <laughs> Athlete podcast. Yeah, that's right. No, no you don't actually get those either. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> All right. So on that note, I think we will wrap it up. And hopefully this one has worked out without technical difficulties. And hopefully we will not take nearly this long between podcasts because I know it's been like two months with this book writing stuff and then all the technical difficulties. It, it might have been three months by now. I don't know. But uh, next one I have a feeling will not take nearly this long to get out there. And uh, we'll have some new stuff for you to listen to while you're running as the weather heats up. So, uh, you know, subscribe to Nomad Athlete. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. And uh, that way you will be sure not to miss anything. All right. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Doug, for uh, – co-hosting and uh, we will see you all later all right see you next time